But I hope you've had a great uh, Christmas time. Um, but Christmas is here, like I said. The babe has finally come in a manger. Uh, Matt read it earlier. Uh, I've, I'm always fascinated by this. In Luke, the second chapter, I'm fascinated um, by the first three words, and uh, four words, and it came to five words, pass. <laughs> and it came to pass. What came to pass? Everything God had said was going to happen, happened. Every promise he made for a Messiah, every promise Moses made which said someone like me is coming after me who will be greater than me. Every promise of Isaiah, every promise of the prophets came to pass. It happened at a real time, in a real place, with real people. It came to pass. And those promises that he's given you, those things that he's told you in your prayer closet, those, those, the visions that he has given you, they're coming to pass. It might not look like it, but they're going to happen. It's coming to pass. The things that he's told us about this church, the dreams and the visions that we have for this church, they're going to come to pass. And they're happening before our very eyes. All that God had promised his people, it came to pass. It was fulfilled. In a certain time and in a certain place, God showed up. And I know that here this morning I'm preaching to some people who are waiting on God. I know I'm preaching to some people who are praying and wondering where God is. Uh, when we were singing earlier this morning, I thought it was so fitting to what, what the message is. We're expecting him to show up, aren't we? We're asking him to show up in a lot of different situations. Hold on, because he will. It's going to come to pass. It's going to show up. God will move. And, and it's never typically, God never shows up in ways that we expect, does he? He didn't show up in the manger the way that... God didn't... The incarnation was not what we thought it would be. If we were going to plan out the incarnation, God with us, we wouldn't put him in a manger filled with hay and some animals. We'd have him at the nicest hotel, the nicest hospital. Joseph forgot to use Priceline or... Booking.com or Airbnb or HomeAway. He showed up and there was no room. They made no room for Jesus. <clears throat> Don't be like that. When God shows up in your life, make room for him. Amen. But typically when God shows up, it's never the way we expect we pray and we ask God to do things and to show up in our lives in ways that are going to make our lives more comfortable, right? We want God to show up and answer our prayers in ways that keep us comfortable, in ways that keep us, um, I can't think of the right word, comfortable, I guess is the, the, the word. I'll just keep using that same one over and over. We don't like change. God, I'll show up and change this situation so that I don't have to change. God, come change them. So I don't have to change. We want to be comfortable. And that's how we pray. But then God shows up. And Mary's got to sleep outside. And Joseph has to feel like a failure of a husband. And the innkeeper is like, sorry, I know she's pregnant, but you're not paying top dollar. You're not important enough. Sometimes we got to change. When God shows up, sometimes we're not comfortable when God shows up. Sometimes God doesn't show up in ways that make sense to us. Sometimes God asks you to do things that don't make sense to you or to your espoused or to the innkeeper or to 
the Sadducees and the Pharisees and to everybody else, that can't be God because it doesn't look like it should. Sometimes God shows up and it's not what we think. When your life is filled with chaos or inconvenience, don't assume that God has abandoned you. Start listening for the cries of God being birthed in you. Sometimes in that chaos is God birthing himself in you, a new thing in you. Sometimes in that distress, sometimes in that inconvenience, God can be found. Sometimes in having to sleep outside and give birth outside. Can you imagine? Ladies, there was no Demerol. There was no epidurals. It was Joseph, and you know he wasn't any help, guys. We know he wasn't any help. He was probably passed out. I would have been. (laughs) God doesn't always show up and act like we think he will and look like we think he will. God is not a scientific equation that will always respond the same way to you every time. When I was a kid, I did some kind of science project it said take vinegar and baking soda. You pour them together and they blow up. And I constructed this really poor looking volcano and poured my baking soda in there and then vinegar in there. Well, I mean, I had a lot of leftover baking soda and vinegar. So when I was at home and nobody was around, I'd put some in a cup and put the vinegar in and watch it do it over and over. It, it's a scientific experiment that happens, every, it happens the same way every time. God is living God. God is a living God. He's not an equation or something that we figure out or, or, or something that we, oh, this is how you pray and this is, this is what you say and this is what you do. He's a living God. He comes to us in living ways. Every conversation with your wife is not the same. Every conversation with your friend is not the same. God is living. We think he's this statue up in the sky that only responds to us when we act a certain way and he'll respond exactly if we act exactly this way. He's a living God. He wasn't what the Israelites were expecting, but he came nonetheless. He won't always show up in the ways you want, but he'll be there for you. When all have abandoned you, he'll be there for you. He was there when you took your first breath, and he'll be there when all of us inevitably will take our last. He will be there with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was all. Free preaching, as this walker likes to say, is not part of the notes. The theme today is love. Seems like there was something I was supposed to say, though. Hmm. The theme today is love. Oh, I know what it is. When God comes, how does God come? You know, we, we, live, we live in a world... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The theme today is love. Let me back up. Love is a word that's very overused right now. I heard this at the mall uh, either yesterday or was the Saturday before, I can't remember. Came out of a girl's mouth. The same girl's mouth said, I love your highlights. Talking to another, I love your highlights. And my dad won't let me get them. I hate my dad. So she loved... Per, the peroxide in this girl's hair, or whatever it is, the girls that <laughs> gives you highlights. I love those. 
Oh, I hate my dad. <laughs> Love in our world has become deranged, kind of. But I'm not talking to you about that kind of love. I'm going to talk to you about God's love and what it means. Uh, the theme is, like I said, love, but it's, the word has become so overused. It used to be a word that was reserved for special things like your kids, your family, um, the chiefs, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Love is reserved for the important things. <laughs> Just had to wake some of you up. It used to be something, a word that was reserved for, but now we love everything. Oh, I love that. And when I was a kid, it would be what we'd say is, well, why don't you marry it? <laughs> if you love it so much. I was a weird kid. I saw a video the other day. Good night. Chris, burn that, please. Or let me borrow that DVD and I will destroy it. You do not want to see 12-year-old me, trust me. We live in a world that doesn't know how to love. We live in a world that doesn't know how to love. I mean, go turn on your news for five seconds if you can stomach it long enough. We live in a world that does not know how to love. Oh, we're good at hate, and we're good at dividing lines and saying, I hate you, and you're not like me, and I don't like you. We've gotten really good at that. Washington, D.C. has gotten really good at that. Talk about burning something down, just burn that down. Let's start over. Dave can be congressman, and Jeremy can be president, and I'll be something else. I don't know. I hope that someone from the government doesn't see this and think I'm being serious and <laughs> think of some kind of anarchy. We live in a world that doesn't know how to love. Jesus came into a world like that. Jesus came into a world that treated women as second-class citizens. And he showed us a better way. Jesus came into a world that um, did not put any importance on children, that... You know, children should be seen and not heard. He said, let the little children come unto me. Then he went as far to say, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never see the kingdom of God. Jesus came into a world that oppressed the poor and that shunned the lepers. A world that kept blind and lame from God, and he came and changed all of that. It says that he touched the lepers and made them well. In Jesus' day, people didn't do that. You wouldn't touch a leper because, why? Because they might contaminate you. Thankfully, lepr leprosy, for the most part, has been eradicated from the world, eradicated. But we're the, we're the same way with other people. We don't want them to get on us. We don't want their stink on us, or we don't want their cooties on us, or I don't know why I keep reverting to my childhood. But we live in a world like that. And Jesus came into a world like that to change it all. He came to redeem mankind, yes. He came to reconcile us to the Father, yes. But he also came to show us the way to the Father, and that's to follow the path that he blazed for us. And that is the path of love. The way to the Father 
Hey, Jesus, where are you going and how are we going to get there? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father unless they come through me or by me or by the way I go. Jesus came to a world that needed love and he showed us the way. And I wish that I could tell you that the world has taken his example and run with it. That we have seen the error in our ways and we have changed. I wish I could tell you that. That we live in a world that is like that. But we live in a hateful, mean, judgmental, finger-pointing world. Where everybody mean mouths everybody else. And then they try to top each other. Where everybody that doesn't agree with us is a loser and a moron and an idiot. And that's the world that we live in. Where that everybody that doesn't agree with me is an idiot. You know, that's, that's our world today. That is not the way that Jesus came to show. Guess what? If you don't agree with me, that's okay. That should be okay with me. That should not change how I treat you. If you don't serve the same God that I serve, that should not change the way that I treat you. If you don't vote the same way that I vote, that should not change the way that I treat you. Or talk about you when you're not around. I caught myself saying this the other day, not to be mean or judgmental, and then I went on being mean and judgmental. I'm like, Ricky Bobby, no offense. And then say very offensive stuff. But that's what we do, don't we? Oh, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but, but I'm going to be. So <laughs> get ready for it, because <laughs> here it comes. I caught myself. Catch yourself. When, next time that you hear that part come out of your mouth, reel it back in. But we live in hateful, dark times. And what's it going to take to break light into this darkness? We sang about it. We had our candles lit this morning in the dark. It was beautiful. What's it going to take to break light into this darkness? What is it going to take? We all know that the world needs Jesus, right? This world needs Jesus, and Jesus is the only one that can change this world. But how is he going to get to them? It's going to take a Mary that says, be it unto me, I will carry you. It's going to be a Joseph that says, I don't, this doesn't make sense, angel, what's coming out of your mouth and what you're asking me to do, but okay. It's going to take Mary's and Joseph's, Jimmy's and Joe's. It's going to take Jeremy's and John's and Michaela's and Sarah's and Mia's and it's going to take us taking him to the world. If Mary hadn't said, okay, I'll do it. And she carried God into the dark world and it was not easy. And it, she was probably shamed and shunned. And Joseph was probably made a fool of by his friends and his peers. But they said, even if it looks stupid to you and looks silly to you, I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to carry Jesus to the world. God's looking for some Marys who will say, be it unto me.
I'll carry Jesus to them. Like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Jesus can heal the ugliness in this world, but you've got to carry him to them. Jesus can heal the ugliness in the world, but he needs you to carry the love to them. We are co-laborers with Christ. He has called us to be co-laborers with him. Yeah, he could come down and make everybody be kind to one another and have a bunch of robots running around, but then no, there'd be no true love. God wants us to be love and light everywhere we go. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what we're called to do. You've got to take Jesus into this darkness. You've got to take the light of, of the gospel into this darkness. You've got to take the love into this world of hate. And if you can't be loving when they're being hateful, then maybe Jesus ain't in you. I almost didn't say it, but I thought, well, I might as well say it. I'm, I got the horse all the way to the water. I might as well let it drink. God is waiting on you. We're waiting. God, come. God, come change this world. There's so much hatred and ugliness. <laughs> no, you go change it. Jesus is in you. You go be love. You go be light. You go be joy. You go be peace. Let Jesus be birthed in you and break into the darkness. God's looking for some, for some Marys this morning who'll say, be it unto me, whatever, God, yeah, sign me up. He's looking for some Josephs who might have first say, what? Okay, all right. I mean, at least Joseph got like four dreams telling him what to do. Sometimes we don't even get that. Sometimes we're left just wondering, God, is it, are you sure? <laughs> Because this is a little crazy. I mean, think about the situation Joseph walked into. Oh, yeah, that thing <laughs> that is done unto her, that's from God. Go ahead and marry her. I mean, we kind of just read over that Christmas part in the Christmas story. Like, <laughs> oh, so sweet, little Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. And a sweet little manger with a cow and a sweet little sheep. Listen, I delivered to a, a, a cow farm every day. It wasn't sweet. It's not sweet. You can smell that thing for miles. It was real life. It was cold. Joseph had a million questions. Mary had a million questions. But they still said, okay, God, I'll take you to this world. I'll carry you. Okay, so God's looking for some Marys. God's looking for some Josephs. God's looking for some, jo some Joseph who'll say, it doesn't make sense, but I'll go. How will Jesus get to the hearts of those who need him? You are going to take him. How will Jesus get to the kids in this city whose parents have failed them and who society has forgotten? You're going to take him. How will Jesus get to the hungry and the homeless and the cold? You are going to take him. How will he get to your co-workers whose lives are in chaos and who seemingly have nowhere to turn? You're going to take him. I'm going to take him. I'm awful pointy this morning. I'm sorry. We are going to take him. We are going to take him.
in the middle of all that chaos around you, let them hear the cries of love. Is that a baby being born? Is that new life? You can bring forth Christ to them. You can bring forth Jesus to them. Amen. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. We are called to carry Jesus with us and then distribute him, his love everywhere we go. Amen. We're to be like the Oprah show on the giveaway. You get a Jesus and you get a Jesus and you get some love and you get some love. You just keep giving birth to Jesus like the Duggars, 19 and counting. Just keep on, keeping on. Just over and over. How are they going to pay for college? You know in the middle of the night, she's going to kill him, her husband. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Edit that out of the video. I'm... We're to keep giving birth to Jesus in, for other people. We're to keep Keep coming back to the well. Keep saying yes to God. Keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. And keep birthing new life into others. All right. Now, on to my message. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13.8. Love never fails. Love never fails. The only thing in Scripture, given this attribute of never failing, love never fails. First John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Sorry, I didn't send you that one, Chris. Love never fails. I just want to talk for a couple minutes about how love has not failed you. God's love has not failed you. You, you have been failed by people in your life. If you're over the age of one, you have been failed by people. You have been. You have failed people. I have failed people in my life. I have failed every single one of my kids at different times. I guarantee you I have. I have failed my wife, I'm sure, at different times. I failed my parents, I'm sure. I'm sure they're embarrassed of me. I'm sure they were many times embarrassed of my behavior. We have failed and we've been failed, but we have not been failed by God's love. I came across a version of Romans 5.8 the other day, or yesterday, and it, it kind of shook me. And it says, I loved you at your darkest. I loved you at your darkest. The translation you all will be familiar with is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But this translation says, I loved you at your darkest. And on your darkest day, in your darkest moment, God saw that. And he loved you. Even through it, when everyone else left you, when everyone else turned their back, he saw you and he loved you. He saw you in that moment, that moment in your life that you are the most ashamed of. I'm not trying to 
depress you or make you sad by making you think about it. But God saw that. And he loved you. When everybody else walked away or would have walked away, there are things that you've done that I've done that if, if we all knew about it, we'd all, we all might walk away. But God wouldn't. God saw that. And he loved you anyway. He saw you in that state and said, I love them so much, I'm not going to let them stay there. And then through someone else's ministry, through someone else, he spoke into your life. God spoke into your life and God changed your life. But he saw you at your darkest. He saw the lie. He saw the cheating. He saw you steal. He saw the words you said. He saw the compromises, the failures, the clenched fists. He saw all of that. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He loved you at your darkest. Sometimes before we, before we judge others, we need to remember how God treated us when we did our worst. Oh, it's real easy for us to get, forget where we came from. There was an old song that said, roll back the curtains of memory now and again. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Sometimes we need to be reminded of what God has forgiven us of and how God has loved us in our dark times so that when we come across others in their dark times, we're not so judgmental. Because it gets real easy in church circles to get real judgy. It gets real easy, doesn't it? To get real judgy. We need to remember that in our darkest time, God loved us anyway. His love never fails us. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, He has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. God saw us at our darkest. He called us into light and loved us. God's love never did not fail you in your past. God loved you at your darkest. The second point is God won't fail you in your tomorrows. He'll be there for you, even in your last of days. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not only to me, but unto all of them that love his appearing. God's love will be there for you even in the end. God's love was there for you in the past and will be there for you even in the end. Even in your last days, even on your, in your last days on earth, God will not abandon you. His love never fails. His love won't fail you in your future. And his love, will, uh, third and final point, I thought I might get some smiles there, so at least some, okay. <laughs> Wrap it up. His love won't fail you today. His love will not fail you in the present. And yes, him loving you, but I want to turn this a little bit. You loving others won't fail. Uh, Chris, you can go to that next scripture, Luke 23, 34. The one previous to this one. There you go. Jesus said... Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is maybe the greatest, uh, and I'll just go ahead and say it. This is the greatest show of love in all of human history. 
This is the greatest show that another human has ever showed another human of love. I believe that to be true. And look at the response that Jesus gets. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus shows the greatest love that has ever been shown ever. And they're, oh yeah, that's nice. Hey, I get his robe. You want his robe? Let's, let's roll dice for his jacket. It look, looks like here that love has failed. It looks like love does fail when you look at this. You look at the cross, God is love, Jesus is love, Jesus is the word, Jesus is God, he tells us that. God in love on the cross, it looks like love has failed. Looks like love failed, got murdered, and got put in a tomb and died, never to be heard from again. It looks like love has failed. Jesus has shown love, and what has it gotten him? Murdered. Jesus has shown the greatest love ever known to anyone. And what does it get him? It gets him killed. This seems like a failure. You'd think that that kind of love would make an impact. You'd think that that kind of love, if you heard somebody, if, if you were murdering someone and they, the Messiah, the Son of God, and he cries out, Forgive them for what they're doing to me. You'd think that might impact you just a little bit. But it looks like it was a failure. It looks like it has no impact. All they care about is getting his Air Jordans or, uh, <laughs> or his, I'm sorry, his sandals, his, his, uh, scripture tells us his garment had no seams or something. So it was an expensive garment. So they wanted it. And it looks like love has failed. We'll go ahead and go to the next scripture. This is the rest of that little story. And then it says, one of the criminals who were hung there hurled insults at him. I love that word. Hurled insults. Hurled. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you that, you will be, that today you will be with me in paradise. So, so Jesus shows this great sign of love. It doesn't have any effect on... The, on the soldiers, they start casting lots. Then it even gets worse because somebody that's being um, crucified with him starts hurling insults at him to add insult to injury. But then we get the, the, uh, and the, other, the other thief on the cross with him. And I, I've been talking a lot about the thief on the cross lately. I've been fascinated by this lately. It's, you know, sometimes a story in the scriptures will just kind of get you and then you'll just kind of, bleed everything you can get out of it. That's what I feel like I've been right now with the thief on the cross. And uh, he says, <laughs> remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And this, in this story, looking at, looking at Jesus on the cross looks like a failure. And even in this story, it doesn't look much better. But think about what we have now because of this. Because of this little exchange with Jesus and the thief on the cross, we have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of love. This is a thief who lived his life as a thief, who was justly there. He doesn't say to the other guy, he says to the other guy, we're here because of what we have done. He had a life worth forgetting. But he says to Jesus, remember me. And Jesus says, I will remember you. You're worth remembering. You are worth, no matter what you have done, no matter where you have been, you are worth remembering. No matter the evil that you've done, the bad that you've done, you're worth remembering. And Jesus, through this story, gives us that. That we are worth remembering. Your lives matter. Our lives mean something. You matter. You're worth something. His love has impacted you. The love, we can look back at, at Jesus on the cross and we see what happens next. But in that moment, it looked like love had failed. It looked like love was getting murdered. And it was. Love died that day. And from all appearances, it looked like Jesus living the life of love wasn't working out. And sometimes that's how it's going to look for you. Sometimes in your life, you're going to think, I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to be loving. And I just keep getting insults hurled at me. I keep getting people trying to steal my stuff. All they care about are my things. And in your life, it's going to feel like that sometimes. Like nobody really cares about me. They just care about my stuff and my things and hurling insults at me. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to live the life of love. Why is it falling apart? And that's going to be your life sometimes. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. Sometimes the Christian life is like that. Sometimes the Christian life is hard. Sometimes you're ridiculed. Sometimes you're insulted. Sometimes people say things like, you're still going to church? Why are you going to church? It's a waste of time. I had a guy at work tell me this week, I said, man, you should go to church. It's Christmas. He's like, why am I going to waste my time at church? And people are going to say that to you. People are going to hurl insults at you. But it doesn't mean the life of love isn't working. It doesn't mean that you're not getting through. It doesn't mean that Christ is not being birthed in you and coming forth and going to change the world around you. On that day, love died, but God honored the life that Christ lived. Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalted Jesus. He, he came up out of the grave. He walked out of the tomb alive and glorified and he now sits at the right hand of the father and he intercedes for you and for me and God honored his life of love God honored the life of love that Jesus lived and guess what he will honor your life too he will honor the life of love that you live if you don't let your love fail love never fails love is now exalted and seated at the right hand of the father
I can do a lot. You know, we, we pray over people. We, uh, if you come down for prayer, we'll pray for you. We'll, we'll speak to you. Sometimes in church, people will prophesy over you or speak tongues over you. But the rest of 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says this. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. And where there's knowledge, it will pass away. I can prophesy over you, but that will someday cease. I can pray in tongues over you, but that will someday be stilled. I can give you a word of knowledge, but someday that will fade away. But love never fails. Love will last forever. Don't give up on love. It sounds like a, like a bad love song or something. I'm trying to think. Something triggered in my head, but I, I can't think of it. I won't sing it. Don't give up on love. Don't give up on love. Come on, don't give up on love. Don't sleep on love. Love never fails. Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, the greatest of these is love. Amen. Amen. This world needs Jesus. And how are they going to get him? You and me. That's how he's going to come. That's how he's going to come to this present world. Oh, he will gloriously appear in the clouds someday. But I'm talking about right now. How is the world going to get him? They're going to get him through you and through me. They're going to get him by... A Mary saying, be it unto me. By Joseph saying, okay. Okay, God, this is what you're asking me to do. Most of the time, that's my response to God. I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, I'm not like Isaiah or Mary. Like, yes, yes, be it unto me. Or here am I, send me. Most of the time, I'm like, uh, are you sure? Really? You want me to do that. I'm going to need to hear it in the mouth of two or three witnesses, or I'm going to need some dreams, or I'm going to need something. God's looking for somebody to respond like that. God's looking for you. Will you say that to God at this Christmas season? Will you say, okay, I'll do it, God. I'll, I'll bring Jesus to the world. Okay, and then God loved you at your worst. His love didn't fail you. God will carry you and will hold you through all of your tomorrows. His love won't fail you at the end. And God's love won't fail you today, even though it might seem like you're not having an impact. It might seem like love is failing. Hold on just a little bit longer. Trust him just a little bit more. Give a little bit more to him. Amen. Amen. Jesus came. As a baby in a manger, he changed the world with his love. And he can come to the world today through you and through me, through, through our church and through many other churches. I'm not saying this is the only church. But he wants to come to the world again. He wants to come to the world again. But he needs somebody to come through. He needs a Mary that will say, I'll carry him. 
So as we respond to communion this morning...